Hi, everybody. This is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. As a kid, anything you get for free is the best thing ever. When you play outside or in your backyard, there are treasures everywhere. Some lying on the surface, others you have to seek out, dig for, and others you have to ask for. Treasures came in so many shapes and sizes and degrees of value, and my yard was a wonderland, an escape from the sometimes nasty world on the other side of the building. And in the jungles of English ivy that covered sections of the yard were found a variety of treasures. I would crouch down on my knees and peer into the jungle, imagining I was tiny and I could wander and explore under the dense canopy like Indiana Jones. One of the treasures I would find were marbles. I guess these marbles were left by the previous residents of our building because I found them from early on, from the day we moved in. And over the years, dozens upon dozens of marbles were found, like miniature dike spheres found in the Costa Rican jungles. I mean, who knows? Maybe these glass spheres were placed there by ancient aliens. Also patrolling those jungles were the lost soldiers of the mighty plastic army. I had amassed a large enough army to invade and take over the Mattel company. These lost unknown soldiers, like Japanese soldiers who were unaware the war was over, living on some Pacific island, were treasures to find. No retirement for these guys. They were recruited into my own army of plastic G.I. Joes. I also loved cracking open stones as a kid. These were the ultimate backyard treasures, created by the earth millions of years ago, sitting patiently on the spot where my yard would one day be built, and this kid would find them, whack them with a hammer, and discover the shiny and sometimes crystalline innards. Quartz, red or clear, was my favorite to find. What I dreamed of was finding fossils, and man, I searched low, high, and deep for them. I had also heard rumors that Rust, uh, aka the Bloodmaster, had buried some dead pet turtles with his buddy who lived in my house before we moved in, and I dug for those as well. No luck. It would be a few years later at a family picnic up in Silvermine Lake in Tuxedo Park where I would find my first fossil of scallop shells, and I still have it. I'll place a photo on the Facebook page. My friend Scott once found a museum-quality treasure while digging in my yard. (coughs) Well, go back to episode 11 and relive that mean trick Joe and me played on him. Nature also provided living treasures in my yard. Bugs. Lift a rock, move an old fallen branch, or peer into those ivy jungles, and 
pill bugs, centipedes, millipedes would crawl. After a summer rain, the worms appeared, dozens of them, some three feet long. But pill bugs were the best, watching them curl up into tight balls, and then when they thought the coast was clear, opening up and charging off like a tiny Sherman tank. The great thing about insects in the yards was there were no roaches, no water bugs. Those were the inside bugs. And I love all other insects. In fact, once a praying mantis appeared on our street, and we took turns holding the giant beauty as it went through its karate katas on the palms of our hands. Ants had a colony that lived at the base of our crabapple tree, and I was a meanie once, and I dumped ants from another colony across the yard, and I watched as a war ensued. And at night during the summer, fireflies glittered and glowed like natural fireworks. These were my faves, and I remember once catching about ten of them and storing them in a jar. That night, in my room, the jar fell and all illuminated at once, creating a light bulb that not even Edison had envisioned. I let them go the next day. Free things handed to us were also prized treasures around those stoops. Of all things, tape, electrical tape to be specific, was used to wrap your wiffle ball bat, but it was also one of these odd things that put smiles on our faces when we got one for free. The sight of a telephone repair van or a Con Ed truck was like the ice cream truck to us. We'd run up to the workers, bubbling with excitement, and ask, you have any tape you can give us? I would say about 80% of the time they would grab a roll from their work belt and toss it to us. There were the random few grumps and wouldn't even look at us and mumble and no. But most were nice and we would thank them profusely as we ran off. We had tape. Okay, now what? Well, usually not much. Once, we got the veritable Ark of the Covenant from a Con Ed guy. He stepped onto his truck and we rushed the door and asked, Any tape we can get? And he reached into a bag and tossed us a cardboard box. Inside was a giant roll of black electrical tape. The gold standard for bats. We were in our glory and bowed our thanks over and over as he laughed at our ridiculous enthusiasm as he drove off. Now there was no controversy with tape, but there was with another of the freebies we got as kids. Lunch. Back in the 70s, the city would deliver pre-packaged lunches to the poor people in my hood. They would bring the cases of lunches into the backyard area of the big white building across the street. Like I said, as kids, getting free stuff was cool. These little lunch sets in a cardboard tray wrapped tight in saran wrap contained a sandwich, I think I remember ham and cheese, a piece of fruit, usually an apple or an orange, and a little container of juice, usually apple juice. It was a simple, not unhealthy lunch for kids who might go without. But it was for the poor kids on the block. It was not for me, my mother scolded. We weren't rich or even upper middle class. We were a middle class family and we ate well. My parents could afford feeding us three meals a day plus a bevy of snacks. I was not to take another one of these lunches again, she said. And I guess I never did, although I may have snuck one or two. But she was right. It was a treasure for others who needed it. and fat wheels in back. Some assembly required. Big Wheel by Marks.
When you spend your days outside on the street, you wander around. When you explore, you find. Often items in the garbage. A wise man once wrote, one person's garbage is another's treasure. So toys, like a big wheel with a missing seat, was found lying in the corner of Pleasant Avenue on 119. So why not take it? I mean, it had wheels, one big one, and, and whoever used the seat on a big wheel? You put one foot on his platform and kicked off with the other, got up enough speed, then jumped aboard butt down, and using the handbrake, spun out, hopefully in a complete 360. And it didn't matter if you were 8 or 12, it was a blast. I think I kept that big wheel an entire summer until one of its back fat wheels cracked open. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Have you heard the story? Sometimes just finding a set of wheels was enough to get the excitement and creative juices flowing. Making your own go-kart was a must as a kid. And it didn't take too many parts either. A few pieces of 2x4, a piece of rope to steer, some nails, a large bolt, and four wheels. And the wheels were hard to come by, so go-karts inevitably got built when the serendipitous occasions of an old baby carriage being tossed out crossed our paths. And it was something to do. And that is what my friends who have kids who get all their entertainment digitally must remember. The days in the lives of a kid in the 70s were spent passing time until something to do presented itself. That something could be destructive, like blowing crap up with fireworks, or constructive, like building a go-kart. But it was all creative. Now, maybe in your neighborhood the treasures were all happy and gentle, but around those stoops of Atlantis at East Harlem, there were nefarious treasures as well. We were walking along towards the old red building on the corner of 118 and Pleasant, the building where Kugat the dog had lived. In fact, check out episode 43. The building now was totally abandoned, I guess it was 1978 and we spotted a metal box. A metal box was always a reason to get excited. Inside was a doorbell. Well, the electric works for a doorbell. Now finding bits and pieces of electronics was another treasure to us back in those days. I'm not sure why, but the stuff looked cool. When I was five or six, I dreamed of using this stuff to build my own spaceship I could take out to trips to Pluto and the moon. And now we blast off for Pluto and the moon. But even as we hit 10 or 11, it was fun to find, take apart, play with. I mean, there were magnets and chips, sometimes glass tubes to smash against the walls. In this metal box, however, there were about 10 bullets. Little ones. 22s is what me, Scott, and Chris figured. Since we really knew about guns from all the 70s police shows we watched. I mean, but what do you do with bullets? We didn't have a gun, and we were a little bit too scared to open them up and play with the black powder inside which we did in spades with dud fireworks we found. An M80 was one thing though, but a bullet was, well, a bullet. So we bit it and flagged down a police guard and excitedly handed him over to the cop. He asked where we found him, and then he just drove off. Joe once found a bayonet. Yep, a big knife that was meant to be attached to a rifle used in war. Maybe it was brought back from Vietnam by a local guy. Speaking of which, I once found a few love letters from a soldier sent from Vietnam during the war to a girl that lived in our house before we did, the sister of the friend of Russell who buried the turtles. That was a treasure found in my own basement. 
Anyway, Joe found the knife jammed in a narrow space between the white building and the brownstone across the street. Yep, dropped or tossed or hidden in there. There was no blood on it, at least not that we could see. Yeah, the treasures on my block could be... interesting. Heck, go all the way back to episode 2 to hear the story of the amazing treasure Scott found in a dumpster on our street and the fiery monster that ensued. Be it bugs or marbles, wheels or M80s, bullets or hunks of quartz, treasures are found by those who seek. And we did lots of seeking back then around the stoops of Atlantis. This has been The Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.